You're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston, and it is often said that all roads lead to Rome. And in the world of cycling in London, it could also be said that all roads lead to Patrick Field. And this is the man who's going to be my guide and guest on the show this week. So where are we going to be riding today? Um, we're starting in uh, West Hackney, which is where I live. West Hackney, close to Hackney Central, close to Dalston, close to Stoke Newington, but it is a kind of a region in its own right. And we're going to ride following the waterways down to the River Lee, up onto the old sewage pipe down and take a cruise on the Woolwich Ferry if it's not too stormy, then maybe back along the, the north shore of Kent through Greenwich and Rotherhithe. A social trip. Yeah. So you've described yourself in the past as the world's slowest professional cyclist. Um, you've written a lot for bicycling magazines. You run the London School of Cycling. Um, what's your kind of philosophy of the bicycle and what, what aspects of cycling are we going to be looking at today? I actually like travel and my mode of choice is a bicycle but I always think that bicycles aren't really the point you know talking about bicycles fiddling with bicycles I like to keep that to a minimum and what I actually like to do is travel and I suppose in a way you could say the most luxurious kind of travel is walking because it's so simple but when you're walking unless you're very rugged, you need someone else to carry your luggage. And that's a management job. And even if you're not gonna manage the porters, you've got to manage the person who's going to manage the porters. Whereas a bicycle gives you somewhere to hang your handbag. So you have all the simplicity of a pedestrian, and yet you fit in with the modern world in a better way. So it's the perfect form of travel in this period in history, I would say. Well, it's an exceptionally dull and damp uh, December Monday morning and we're crouching under a holly bush in your front garden um, under the rain and uh, as we go along the ride today we're going to try and um, duck for cover uh, to, uh, to so you could describe a few things uh, along the way but before we do that let's actually get going. just come down along an ancient route. Yeah, it's a prehistoric line between the Leebridge Road and London Bridge, which are the lowest crossing points in prehistory on the River Lee and the River Thames, respectively. So who would have been making that journey? Everybody or people trading and travelling? Who knows? I don't know, but it's uh, our ancestors and wild people. You know, people who... Uh, who had uh, lives of 
idleness, exaggeration, discomfort. And a bicycle... Brevity. Well, not necessarily, I don't think. I think a lot of them died, but the ones who lived probably lived quite long lives. But the nice thing about a bicycle is it really puts you in touch with your, your physical identity at the same time as making you an industrial product, which is, of course, what we are as well. So, you know, what we need to do, I suspect, is get back to that kind of, you know, slightly low expectation, calm life of our ancestors. And that's, you know, 99% of human history was wild mammals sitting around campfires exaggerating. And the population of London was probably about eight people in that period. But I don't think their lives, yeah, their lives were different, but they didn't work hard, uh, you know. And that's the thing about, you know, a, a leathery old cyclist once said to me, you know, man wasn't meant to work. He was meant to hunt and fish and ride his bike. And, you know, obviously he wasn't including women in that, but we can now in the modern era. And, you know, that's it. It's uh, ambition can be toxic. And a bike, you know, just keeps you in, in the moment very nicely. And that route skirted past um, the pub on the park and the uh, first section of the route from the pub on the park to the beach at Dunwich. And you had a hand in the phenomenon that's become the annual Dunwich Dynamo, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I'm one of its fathers. There's me and a guy called Jez Hastings, who, as far as I know, is running bird watching tours in Scotland at the moment, bird watching and canoeing. And it was my idea, and he was the one who said, well, let's do it. And that's how it came about. So it wasn't a bunch of rowdy, drunken bike messengers on a Friday night who just decided to go to the beach, because that's the kind of urban legend that exists now. Yeah, that's uh, off do the... S- do you want to set the record straight? Uh, no, not necessarily. I like mystery, but that is, as far as I know, you know, off-the-peg mythology created by Mr. Barry Mason, who uh, everyone's heard of. And so what were you thinking when you thought of the ride to Dunwich in the night under the full moon? Well, it's something to raise the ambition of everyday cyclists. For a long time, I used to ride a bike about about London, but I figured that uh, it was, you know, it was going too far to ride to Watford. You know, if you wanted to go to Watford, you needed to take the train. And the moment of discovering that actually a long journey is just a lot of short journeys all stuck together was a, a revelation to me. You know, and the hardest thing about riding 180 kilometers is the idea. You know, there are technical problems to solve, but once you stop wasting energy on the idea of, oh my God, it's a long way, then you're free to solve the, the existing technical problems. So cycle sport is too hard-faced for normal people. You know, it's full of pain and disappointment. And, and Eddie Merckx said, you know, there are always more bad days than good days when you race bikes. And that's Eddie Merckx. So what about the rest of us? We're, you know. So it's something to raise people's ambition. It's a bit longer than your average charity ride. It takes place at night. You know, there's no benefit to homeless pandas. It's just done for fun. But it contains both the ambition of cycle sports and the kind of hedonistic, you know, the idea that it's a beach party. You know, it's not, it's not about suffering, it's about having fun. And anyone who rides the Dunwich Dynamo forever after, you know, if they live in London and they've got a bike, 
every night at 8.30, they can look at their watch and think, shall I go to Suffolk tonight? They never have to, but it gives them that sense of, of possibility. Well, we have a very real possibility of, of cycling into a canal now um, as we ride along the canal. Uh, how long are we going to be riding along here? We, we're going to ride east to Victoria Park and then there's a short spur called the Hartford Cut which will take us out to the canalised version of the Lower Lee. So it's, the, it's an improved river, but that's a bit misleading because there are lots and lots of river lees, some for in, that were made for industrial power, the navigation that was made for transport, and then others that are to do with drainage and drinking water. So it's just a big swamp that's soon to become Olympopolis, so they say, okay. although there's still time for it to go to Paris if they don't get it right, I suspect. Well, let's ride along and uh, try to avoid a watery grave. I look at this on our right here, a rather spectacular pair of gas Gasometer. storage Gasometer. meters. Gasometers? That's what they're called, yeah. What? I remember. They, they just they measure, natural gas. They measure the gas. And they store the gas. So we've climbed up onto the Northern Outfall sewer pipe, which is a big embankment that runs Roman Strait southeast from the Lower Lee down across the London Borough of Newham. And it was constructed by teams of men directed by Joseph Bazalgette in the middle of the 19th century to save London from sewage and cholera and the great stinks that preceded it. This took the shit out of London. Yep, that's the truth. And it's, there's, there's a gag, which is that uh, one of uh, Basil Jet's descendants is a big cheese in Endemol who make Big Brother. So whereas he took the shit out of London, they put shit into homes all across the world. So we're riding along the top of that. There's a big pipe underneath us, is there? Correct, yes. And it's still, still operative? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, really, they should call it the brown way, not the green way. Yeah, so there's a bicycle path along the top because uh, it looked a little bit to me like um, one of those rails to trails type things where they take an old line that was decommissioned, an old railway line that was decommissioned in the beaching era and turn it over to uh, you know, a nice place to walk and bicycle. But no, this is much more exciting, a real functional sewer yep. beneath us. And uh, also, it's a, a gentle downhill. 
because we'll pass in a moment the oh. Cathedral of Sewage, which was a 19th century coal-powered pumping station that pumped it up on, into the pipe so it could then run right down to the, to the river somewhere Beckton area. And so where's the end? The end is down near Beckton, where it used to, I think, be just discharged into the tidal river, but now there are, there are settlement tanks and treatment tanks. There's talk about turning human waste into some kind of biofuel to uh, power us into the 21st century in a carbon-neutral way, which I think sounds pretty excellent. They used to burn cow shit, didn't they? Oh, they still do, I think, in many parts of the world. Although they say that cows actually contribute as much or more than transportation to the greenhouse effect through their uh, methane farts. But I don't know if that's just kind of propaganda by the oil companies. Well, uh, surely, since they're powered by grass, they should be carbon neutral. Because grass fixes carbon dioxide, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think methane is particularly powerful as a greenhouse gas so I think the cow does something to it which uh, right. makes it that much more damaging than than carbon dioxide so we're now going through the kind of lower Lee industrial zone which was developed late because it used to be oh, look and there's sorry there's a burnt-out scooter there charming sight. Yeah, and on... another one ahead. It's, uh, yeah, you do get hooligans riding scooters up and down here, but not, not on Monday morning when it's raining. They're all sleeping off their weekend, so we don't need to worry about that. as well as being London's outflow sewage pipe par excellence, this also looks like a favourite spot for fly tipping of all kinds of unwanted household uh, stuff. Fridges, old bits of bed, mattresses, a few cars and lots of unidentifiable rubble. Yeah, yeah we've been diverted temporarily off the top of the sewer pipe because of the Liverpool Street mainline tracks which we've had to go under. It's taken us down into the kind of Abbey Lane area and this is the Lower Lee, characteristic of the Lower Lee, you know it's the stuff that people don't want to look at. Rubbish, car breaking, toxic trades and this is all the stuff that's going to be displaced by the new Olympopolis, the new Olympic zone that they're constructing here. This is getting ready for London Olympics in 2012. That's correct. And it'll be interesting to see where all this stuff goes. Because, you know, it's, it's not pretty, but you've got to break cars somewhere in London in the present economy. So um, 
be interesting because uh, I wouldn't want it in my garden, that's for sure. So this is all going to be raised to the ground or is this, is this going to be where the athletes are actually staying? I don't know in detail, but this will all be part of the Olympic zone. Um, who knows? I'm not against the Olympics, but there is a big element of land grab in the whole thing. I mean, I suppose there's two impacts. There's, there's all the money um, that's being spent on it, which I suppose could be spent on something else. And then there's the impact on, you know, the place and the landscape and the idea of, is this the right use of land for this part of London? I think there, there seem to be quite a lot of people who, who are raising doubts about the Olympics, but it seems to have got a momentum of its own, rather like the Millennium Dome, um, which, you know, is a bit of a sorry story. However, you know, it is typical of us Brits to kind of gripe and moan about great projects and not have the self-confidence that we used to have, I suppose, to put these things on. I think, you know, I would have preferred if the Olympics hadn't come to London, I think, in general, on a personal level. But the question is, what will it bring? And there are people in favour of the bid who don't care about sports, who just want to grab, you know, certainly to the north of the zone, in the northern area of the zone, there's... Uh, there's land that was covenanted for the quiet enjoyment of the people of North East London in perpetuity. You know, it, it's untouchable land which is being captured for development in the, in the rush to, to build the facilities. And part of that is the loss of Eastway Cycle Circuit, which is not being replaced next year because of newts at the replacement site out in Essex. Amphibians. Uh, yes. The, yeah. the friends of the Mayor of London, well known as uh, Newt Lover. Yeah, and you can't do environmental impact assessment on newts until the spring comes. So they can't decide how newty Hog Hill out in South Essex is uh, until the spring comes. So the pedal bikers are going to have to race on a pan flat course in the Royal Docks for a year while they're waiting to decide whether they can coexist with the newts out in Hog Hill. Well, that'll be a bit nearer to the centre of London, won't it? In the docks. Yeah, but there are no hills, so it won't be it won't be such fun. Whereas Eastway is very challenging. You know, lots of short, steep hills, which you know made it more of an athletic challenge. And now it's just going to be draft a lot of drafting. Well, I guess they'll be accelerating out of tight corners, and you know, which is all good. But um, I, I, I will, as a as a bit of a fat bloke who needs to work on his fitness next year, I will miss the hills. All right, let's ride on. Leaves on the lawn 
Violence and dull cues And a pale thin girl behind the checkout But if you're looking for cheap sorts That's in false anticipation I'll be waiting in the photo booth At the underground station So come away Won't you come away and we'll go to With perspiration, there's a four mile queue outside the disused power station. Now, come away, won't you come away? We'll go to. Well, we've crossed over the A12, heading up into Essex and beyond. And now we are on back on the greenway again. Is this still the sewage tunnel? It certainly is. And that on the right now we can see the exuberant domes of the Cathedral of Sewage, the great pumping station that actually raised the uh, effluent up to the height where it could flow under gravity out east to the river. Well, the skies are getting ever more leaden, and every time I pull out the microphone the rain seems to uh, turn itself up a notch in intensity although it's not exactly a downpour but it's just a kind of insistent drizzle there we go look at that that speaks of self-confidence that does doesn't it that is a really extraordinary building kind of high Victorian mishmash of styles. I think Gothic. I think yeah, but look at those Norman rounded yep. uh, porticos. Yep. I wonder what if it's got uh, Pugin wallpaper and carving on the inside. Inside, I think it was originally just a big industrial facility, you know, like huge steam pumps, and now I think it's, they can't knock it down because it's too significant and it's just uh, probably they're trying to get get it turn it over to community use yeah well like the a bit like the castle which yes. is now a climbing exactly. center it used to be a water yeah. uh, plant or something yeah it was a pumping station for drinking water on the yeah. new river yeah uh, we've just been passed by a tube train heading into town i guess on the district line central, central line, line i think i'm not sure. i'm not my specialist subject but I think it's the central line. I don't mind the idea of the underground, but it's not for people like us, is it? No, indeed not. Yeah, I think of it in the same way that John Prescott thinks about bicycles. You know. They're a good idea for other people. Fair enough, really. And we're starting to see a few more um, trees all around. 
this interesting continuum between the, the urban and the, I guess, non-urban. I don't know whether you call it, call it rural, but we're certainly no, no, going suburban. through the suburban part of London. Yeah, this is West Ham. Because, once again, of the, the discontinuity of the River Lee, you know, people out here do think of themselves as living in West Ham, living in East Ham, not living in London. You know, the, the main park in the centre of the London Borough of Newham is Central Park East Ham. You know, it's, it's in the centre of, of East Ham, it's in the centre of Newham. People don't think of themselves as a distant part of London, they think of themselves as living here. Well, that's kind of the village structure of the fringes of London, I suppose. Yeah, but the, it's particular, I think, here because of the Lower Lee being such a historical barrier. You know, it wasn't possible to cross south of the Lee Bridge Road for a long time. It was a peace line, I think, between the Saxons and the Danes a thousand years ago. And even today, it's, you know, there isn't a nice way across it. You're either picking your way through the rubbish, as we've done, or you're thundering down the A12, which is okay, no problem cycling down there, but it's a bit, it's a bit alienating, you know, it's a, it's a big suburban radial highway, not somewhere where you'd linger to smell the flowers. And here we've got playing fields which are backing onto a cemetery, yep. all with a quite fabulous view of the towers at Canary Wharf. You can see, the, see Kent there, there's the dome, and soon we'll see the, like the, the foothills of Kent, Shooters Hill and Abbey Woods all there across the river. My name's Buffalo Bill and you're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance FM. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM and we'll pick up where I left off with Patrick Field heading south on the Woolwich Ferry on the next episode of The Bike Show and whether that's going to be on Christmas Day or New Year's Day is yet to be uh, determined by the Resonance FM schedule managers but we'll see. Anyway, it'll appear um, for podcast listeners on Christmas Day and uh, maybe go out on the airwaves of London a little bit later. Now, last week's show was looking at Christmas and Christmas stocking fillers for the bicycling-oriented Christmas shopper. And one of the things that we didn't mention, which we probably should have done, is a new invention called the Cyclair Bicycle Pump. And this is a revolutionary new bicycle pump which works by pulling a, uh, a kind of cord towards the operator rather than pushing a pump and it's just won the Sky One Big Idea television show which had a prize of £10,000 that goes to its uh, creator for further product development and marketing and this is the prize that we talked about a few weeks ago on the show with Michael Killian, whose sideways bike was also in the running for that prize. But he didn't win, and the Cyclair did win. So big congratulations to the Cyclair people. And it just so happens that a couple of months ago at the Cycle Show down in Docklands, Joe Upton and I ran into Lewis Kirkbride, who's one of the people behind the Cyclair bicycle pump, and we asked him for a little bit more detail on how it works. 
It's about six inches long, but don't let that fool you. If you um, put it under your foot, when you pull the handle, you'll find that you can stand up perfectly straight and you get a massive long stroke, which moves a lot of air. So from, from a flat tire to you know fully pumped up tire, how many how much action do you need to put into that? Um, well, it's faster than most of the hand pumps. I would think for a normal bike tire to an average kind of pressure, it might take you a minute. If you're the kind of person that needs more pressure, it's going to take you a bit longer, or if you have bigger tires. Um, perhaps a maximum, say, of two minutes. So it's fast. It's not as fast as a, a track pump, That's but right. it's, it's faster than, the, say, the Z-Fuel uh, frame-mounted high-pressure pump, which is what I use when I'm touring. Oh yes, it's faster than that and uh, certainly a lot easier to use. What do you reckon, Joe? Well, I think... <laughs> I'd love to have a go. Yeah, try it. Okay, so I'll just put my foot underneath... That's Where right. is it? Just underneath the... On top, on of, top that, of the brick? On top of the foot plate there. Okay. Hold it quite well. Alright, you got a little... straight and pull that handle. Okay, you got a little pressure gauge there. Yeah, that's handy too. Oh, so, so easy. I can do it with two fingers. Yeah. And you, or you can change hands, you can use two hands. What you'll find is that when you start putting the pressure into the tyre, it doesn't get much more difficult. Unlike a normal hand pump where you're really fighting all the back pressure. Because when I've seen these um, kind of advertised in, in magazines, it, it looks to me like it's a recipe for a kind of slip disc. Well, no. Um, <laughs> it's actually more ergonomic. The human body's very good at pulling and uh, kind of lifting. Whereas stooping over a normal pump and having to hold it yeah, onto the tyre. But the, 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 the pulling action doesn't require you to kind of use your back, does it? <laughs> it's quite light. It, it's literally your wrist. That's it. It's like badminton. <laughs> Terrific. So um, how much do they sell for? Well, uh, because we launched a new product, we're able to do them slightly cheaper nowadays. So they're £17 and uh, £20 if you want a special carry case. That straps it to the saddle or to the bike frame. That was Lewis Kirkbride talking about the Cyclair bicycle pump. And that's a pretty good stocking filler for anyone who wants to get a loved one a bicycling-oriented Christmas present. Well, that's about the end of the show. From me, Jack Thurston, just time to say Happy Christmas and Bon Route for 2007. Remember, you can email the bike show via the email address, which is bikeshow at gmail.com. And of course, all the past editions of the show are available on uh, MP3 and real audio format. Also, OG Vorbis format for those of you who are into royalty-free compression formats. And that's all to be found at the Bike Show's website, which is www.bikeshow.blogspot.com. So, happy Christmas, a bon route for 2007, and chapeau.